Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is a gaming and esports podcast where we host business professionals, pro esports players, streamers, and others who are in the gaming and esports space. This is episode 45, and today I had the pleasure of being joined by Keisha Howard, who, as you guys will hear in a couple of minutes, uh, has a lot of experience in gaming and in esports, um, so felt very humbled and blessed to have her be a part of the show uh, just to preview it a little bit, her company, Sugar Gamers, actually played a key piece in the Adidas gaming event that happened this last NBA All-Star weekend um, that had people like Ninja and professional NBA players uh, come out and, and have an impactful day on some of the kids that are in the community of Chicago. So it was a really cool event. We talk about that on the show, um, as well as she is a part of Live CGI, um, which, for example, Live CGI is a company that right now puts on the virtual studios for the NBA 2K League. So some really cool work that she's done there as well. We also talk about that on the episode. Um, so just some things to preview. Before we hop into it, I do want to read a five-star rating off of Apple Podcasts. Um, and, and this is a special one. This comes from Sheng, who I actually had the pleasure to work with over at Ernst & Young. We were interns together, but uh, his review says... Juan is a hardworking individual that I had the opportunity to be in associates with him professionally. The hard work he put into work in, is motivating. Keep up the good content, Juan. Uh, which, Shang, shout out, brother. Thank you for this review. That was incredibly nice of you. I appreciate you going on there, man, and, and supporting the show. And as well, just thank you to everyone else who's showing some love to the podcast. Um, you know, recently we've had a lot of people interacting on LinkedIn, within Twitter, um, you know, sharing the show, dropping reviews. Thank you guys all for, for tuning in and showing the support. Um, but with all that being said, I do want to get to the episode. Uh, a great segment and a great interview that I had the opportunity to do with Keisha. Um, I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. So with all of that being said, this is The Lodges Podcast up next. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Super excited each and every one of you guys are tuning into the episode today. This is episode 45. And with us today, we have a very special guest. We have Keisha Howard, who is the founder of Sugar Gamers. She's the marketing lead for Live CGI, which will hop into both of those. She is also a two-time TEDx speaker featured in VentureBeat, as well as lots of other accolades that I'm sure I could list. But overall, she's a great person. And, and Keisha, I'm really excited to have you on here. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I wanted, off the bat, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Marcus Howard for kind of connecting us and introducing us and, and making this happen. So um, I'm glad that you were were kind enough to come on the show. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone knows Marcus, Marcus is an amazing connector, an amazing network, ne networker, in, and just overall, like, a, a really amazing human being. So when he said that, like, I have to be on this podcast, I knew <laughs> it had to be so. So here I am. No, definitely, definitely. So shout out to Marcus. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. But to kick things off, uh, Keisha, kind of like, you know, I was just telling you, I'm, I'm big on storytelling and, and have that passion. So if you just want to take, like, five or so minutes, Minutes and, and give us a little bit of background, I guess, a compressed story of, you know, kind of who you are, some of the companies and projects you've worked for and been a part of in gaming and tech, you know, your story, that would be great to hear. 
right. Uh, compress it in five minutes. Here we go. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I've, I've been a lifelong gamer. I, I come from a family of brothers uh, and they all got video games and my, I'm very close to my brothers. They're like my best friends. And, um, you know, I am as a lineal, some uh, old millennial, so to speak. <laughs> so I grew up, you know, back when couch co-op was the thing. So I never really played online. And so then my first sort of foray into video games were like Street Fighter. And I actually had learned how to read uh, and like had some reading comprehension help playing uh, games like Final Fantasy II. And, uh, you know, I really was inspired by playing games like uh, Tomb Raider and Resident Evil. Anyways, uh, even though I've been playing games since the age of 10, I had never had anyone have the conversation with me that me, uh, a, a young black woman, could actually have a career in video games. So it was never something that occurred to me. And so I just played them for fun and entertainment. And I went to school for psychology and somehow ended up in real estate, uh, like high-end real estate development, like for skyscrapers and things of that nature. Um, and I thought that that's what you were supposed to do as a, a, a human being. You're supposed so like go to school, get a good job, you know, and just, you know, get married, have kids and die. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's it. You know, like this is the dream. Right. Um, and so it didn't occur to me to even try to develop a career in games until the last recession of 2009. That is actually when I started Sugar Gamers. Um, it came because the company I was working for uh, just basically went under. Um, real estate is one of the first industries to be affected by recessions because people aren't normally buying, uh, especially luxury real estate. Um, and so I started trying new things. I'm just like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it, it can't really be real estate in the way that I've been doing it these past several years. So, you know, for some reason, gaming had always like sort of been a common thread. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I can find somebody to game with and we could just like have like a little group or a little, you know, party. And we could just game. That was always like something that I thought of. So, uh, my, my partner, uh, for Sugar Gamers, uh, she, you know, this is before I even started. Uh, the original name of Sugar Gamers was going to be like Tomboys Forever. Now you have to remember. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> now you have to remember that this was like in 2007 or eight, and like I always been put putzing around with I, this idea. She was like, "No, it can't be named that." And I'm just like, "Why not?" She was like, "That's stupid." Okay, this is why she's my best friend. She tells me the truth. Anyways, right. um. I started putting around with different ideas and I got an opportunity to try out for this show called Ultimate Gamer. And at the time in 2007 or eight, um, there weren't a lot of women that tried out for this show. So even though they're like, Hey, be on the show, you know, this is gaming. You could just be a, a universal gaming gamer. If you play console, PC, whatever kind of game you play, we're going to see who the ultimate gamer is. So, and this was in Craigslist at the time. So I was like, let me try it out. And I, you know, I was like, how did you guys, you know, they, they like immediately wanted me to be on the show because there were just not a lot of women and not a lot of women of color that tried out for it. Uh, needless to say, uh, there were a few things that happened, but I did not end up making it on the, uh, the, the actual show. And I came back to Chicago after feeling like I wasted my time with this endeavor. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start my own thing. I'm just finally going to do it. 
And I put my own ad in Craigslist for, at the time, um, because Sugar Gamers is uh, for everyone now, but it used to be just for women. And I was Mm -hmm. like, if you're a woman and you wouldn't play games, I don't care what kind of game you play. If you play Tetris, if you play Mario, if you play, you know, the the silliest uh, puzzle game, if you don't even play games, but you're a nerd and you're curious about games, I don't care. You don't have to play Halo. You don't have to play Call of Duty. If you play games, come hang out with us. We're going to take over the world. And I got so many messages back. (laughs) And this was in 2008, 2009. And I was shocked. And I would get these messages like, oh, man, I want to be a part of a community like that. But I'm not good at games. I want to be a part of a community like that. But I only play, you know, like phone games and and people like all these women they would be like oh man i want to be a part of it but i'm scared because i don't know if i'll be a good fit and i'm like no all you guys can come on (laughs) every single one of you and um what i found was there was a the need for this type of community of people who could just warmly talk to one another and it's not all about competition and it's not all about one-upping another person like i'm this good or i've played the game that long or you know i've done this competition it's just like man isn't it exciting when you get to have a a really amazing conversation with someone that plays the same games as you or you get to introduce someone to something that you've been really enjoying and you like put them on what 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 you're doing and they like like it and it's something very gratifying and validating about it and it brings people together and that's basically how sugar gamers started and because the gaming industry has evolved so rapidly in the last 10 years uh it started this way and then it like sort of uh evolved into an organization that included everyone and advocated for underserved demographics and different parts of tech and and video games and geek culture so you know even though it started off as women it's for anyone who believes in just having inclusive community warm environments where we can all learn and share without their the toxicity Mm -hmm. um so that's where i come from that's what i've been doing for the past uh 11 years with that and having all sorts of adventures and, and every year is a, is a new adventure of what I'm going to learn and who I'm going to meet and what I'll get to do. Um, and that's because I just like sort of took a chance and try something, uh, made something that didn't exist at the time. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I love the fact that, you you know, you kind of mentioned that just to bring people together and, and whether it's a game you guys both like or introducing a new game to someone that maybe you've been passionate about. Um, I love that just bringing people together and having that camaraderie and, and being excited about something together with other people is, is always obviously a lot more fun than just being excited about it by yourself. So Exactly. Uh, so I kind of want to hop into, so we'll start with with Sugar Gamers and then we'll transition later into live CGI. But I guess to, to start with Sugar Gamers, what are, I guess, some maybe some of the community events you guys have done or the or any initiatives or activations that you guys do? Is it together, like on online platforms? Is it in, in person at live events or, or kind of how does that work? Well, to... When I first started, again, I, I started pre-Gamergate. <laughs> so um, pre-Gamergate uh, was a little bit more toxic as it pertains to online communities. So uh, it was very important to me that in order to make sure that I, you know, could could 
sort of lock in this this community culture that I, I wanted to this this brand to possess that we had in real life events. So it was like we got to meet IRL and we have to play games together because mm-hmm. there's something about you know, and, and I think we're all kind of feeling it now as we do social distancing. Um, you know, to, to save lives during this pandemic. Um, but there is something about human connection when you're, you get to see people's faces and tone and like sort of pick up on their energy about something that sort of makes the whole process so much better. I mean, there's some of that you can get online for sure, but you can get so much more of that in real life. Like, have you ever met somebody you gained with online and you finally met them in real life? And it's just like that whole another level has been unlocked (laughs) (laughs) of your relationship. So in real life events. So what I used to have was lots and lots of events, but at places that you would normally not see gamers. So uh, at the time it was the very end of my, um, you know, a career in the luxury real estate. So I had access to all these buildings that had <laughs> private theaters and bars and all these sorts of things. Um, and uh, I would have events there and to have like a whole bunch of gamer nerds in uh, these very posh spaces was very different, but very significant, especially for women who sort of had this idea of an aesthetic of a gamer. You know, so they're like, well, I'm a game, but I'm not like a dude in a headset in a basement. And like for some reason, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that image still prevails uh, actually even in 2020. So like, no, we we would like, you know, it would be like going out, you know, to like a nice place to like the club, except for our you know, um, our sort of thing would be playing games together. Uh, and I would like set up consoles and bars and people mm-hmm. would play like Soul Calibur together or Mario Kart, or I would like tape down Dance Dance Revolution mats and stuff and <laughs> just, you know, waste all my little money trying to like, bring people <laughs> together. It was so fun. I have pictures from these, these events and that's how I like met a lot of people in Chicago at the time and how I really sort of, you know, built, started making the brand Sugar Gamers. Um, this eventually evolved into, uh, you know, other opportunities where, you know, I started bringing some of my team members with me to places like E3. Um, mm-hmm. Like basically a year after I started Sugar Gamers, I attended my first E3. Uh, we started our own media platform and we started interviewing people in the space, learning more, uh, it, it was really interesting, like just basically learning the industry of video games and, and meeting the, the publishers and developers and creative directors of all of our favorite games from an executive level. So not just like consuming, but, you know, the the, the business parts of things. So uh, and I took, you know, some of my team members along for that ride. We went, you know, to the CESs and the C2E2s and PAXs, you know, like I, I still have all, I have like so many, um, what do you, lanyards? Like uh, badges, badges, yeah. Oh man, I'm thinking <laughs> about doing like a TikTok video of it. You should, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so uh, that's basically how we started. We would just kind of in real life be in all these places, learning about people and just highlighting very interesting people in the space. So uh, we got to meet so many people just by showing up and just by asking to meet them. Like I've, I've met 
George Lucas and Stan Lee and and uh, Todd McFarlane and just like all of these, you know, sort of geek, you know, right. soup people, uh, just by asking, just by going right up to them and being like, hey, uh, we have a a small media outlet and this is what we stand for. We stand for, you know, inclusivity and gaming and geek culture. And we want to like learn from you and ask them crazy questions. It was, (laughs) it was great. I mean, we still do some of that today. Um, but uh, we've uh, the most recent event has been uh, we participated in Chicago's All Star Weekend, and Ninja actually was one of the uh, the one of the gamers that helped us. So um, we basically uh, Adidas wanted to have world's best career day, and so then they invited all of these students from you know uh, underserved communities to participate in a career day in which. Instead of just like learning from a normal person, they learned from like super celebrities. So Sugar Gamers was in charge of designing the game lab. And again, we're not all about like esports is a part of it, but that's Mm -hmm. not all that the video game industry possesses. Like there's going to be new technologies that change the way we game. And that happens like every year, something new, some new hardware, some new software that happens uh, to, to, to get more data, um, you know, enhance the the experience that we have, um, create games that are more engaging. So Ninja came and basically his role was to show kids that even though he's like a super celebrity, like it wasn't about him being like great at anything. It was about him learning new stuff. So uh, we had live CGI uh, software there, which basically uses the Unreal Engine to create these uh, real time um, sort of uh, CGI experiences. So mm-hmm. he got to, you know, put on a motion capture suit and he said it was his first time uh, playing with motion capture, which I was surprised. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> That's pretty uh, crazy. Right. Um, And then we put him in VR and he had played Dance Dance Revolution for the first time. And then uh, he he, he, uh, played NBA 2K with some of the kids. And it was really a a good time. It it wasn't really about him per se, but the kids got to see like, hey, this super celebrity can learn new things, too. and, And look like. We don't need to just be pigeonholed to one thing, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, still be open, still, you know, work hard, still, you know, be be kind and accessible to the, the people who support you. And um, Ninja was really great at doing that for this particular event. Um, and I got to put on that game lab. Unfortunately, like, I, I'd have to send you the pictures because, you know, the the whole point of this was, like, Adidas and the career day and the celebrities that were there and the, what the, the, the kids who got to experience those things. But I'm very proud of our team for being able to facilitate that experience for these kids. And we have a diverse team that represents where these kids came from, which was really one of the important elements to it. It's just like, you know, these kids come from under uh, served co- uh, communities. So a lot of them were black kids. And then there were uh, quite a few girls there too. So our team is super diverse and we have people of color. We have a lot of women, obviously. Uh, we and we have men too. Um, and so then we were able to represent, uh, you know, aesthetically, like what the video game industry can be comprised of and how teams can look. And that's something that, you know, uh, I'm extremely proud of. Yeah, no, it seems like you guys and and I saw pictures of the event. The event looked pretty cool, but it seemed like you guys were the perfect 
company to kind of serve a program like that, given like you're saying, all the diversity that you guys have, really being able to show as a whole what the gaming industry should look like. Um, so it sounds like you guys were, were the perfect company to, to partner up and do some work with them there. Um, I mean, what was that like? Too? I kind of want to ask because I know you're originally from Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, what, you know, having that go on in Chicago, have, you know, I know there's some NBA All-Stars a part of it. You had Ninja a part of it. You had this, you know, unique and special moment where you had underserved um, kids being able to come in and, and meet with them and interact with them. I mean, what was just even the environment and, and being part of that event like? I mean, for me, it was very validating um, because, like, it, it was something that probably would have changed my whole freaking life if if I were a kid and got to go to a career day where I saw somebody who looked like me, like, representing something that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, a lot of the kids were like, this is, like, one of my favorite, because, like, there were different labs, <laughs> you know, there were different labs. Like, you could learn how to, you know, make sneakers. You could learn how to make okay, music. Cool. You could, you know, there was, like, eight different types of classes you could go to, and the kids got to choose two or okay. three. And so um, it was really awesome because, like, a lot of the kids were just like, this is one of our favorite, this is what I wanted to do. And it was just, like, really validating that even though it wasn't, like, a pure esports class, we were still able to offer so many different examples of the kinds of careers that mm -hmm. can be in video games. So, like, it was great, you know. So I was like, yeah. Like, eSports is one of them, and, like, Ninja is a great example of how that, how far that can go as far as a career, but also video game development and right. VR and, you know, all the components that make a game are opportunities. And then just, you know, media and journalism. And, you know, there are so many, like, different types of, of people who, you know, can find where they fit in the space and talk to the kids from that standpoint. And for me, the versatility and the opportunities in that space was something that was so awesome to be able to show. Because a lot of times when I say like, hey, I work in video games, you would be like, eSports? And I'm just <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, like that's important. But if you think about video games as like a pie, you know, eSports is, you know, it, you know, the, the, the numbers depending on where you're looking but yeah. let's just say i mean the last time i, I did a, a, a deep look into it they said that the video game industry globally makes 150 billion dollars right mm -hmm. and then esports generates maybe eight billion or you know like some a smaller number so right. statistically you know esports generates less than 10 percent of the overall video game revenue that is you know <laughs> that is generated so like right. esports is a very important conversation but it's a sliver of the overall opportunity that exists in this space and like again it's just very important for me to to you know pinpoint that and like focus in on that fact because kids will be like I either got to be a pro gamer or I have to stream 6 to 12 hours a day so I can start making money and that's just not true like that's definitely one way to do it but you can also like learn how to use 
video game engines like Unreal or Unity. Maybe you can even create your own company like Epic or Riot or Blizzard. You know, mm -hmm. there's so there's levels to this. Like, you know, I want to show kids that like, yeah, you know, this is one way to do it. Or maybe you can have a company so big that you can employ people. You can employ people that are like your favorite esports and um, streaming personalities. Um, so I try to like you know deconstruct that as as much as I can for for not just kids but parents any anyone who's is curious about like how the video game industry works. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're such an advocate for that. I know when I talked to Marcus, like that was one of the, the things he told me about you that you're kind of big about. And so I love that you first off just hit all that because I think, you know, everyone listening, that's so important. Um, but also too to see events like this. I know, again, we're just kind of using this one as an example, but to see more events like that, even if it's, you know, obviously not at a scale where you've got Ninja and, and NBA celebrities there and all that, but understanding for youth that there are so many different avenues that you know like you're saying and, and that's kind of how i like to explain it too is that you don't have to be just a streamer you don't just have to go be a pro player like you know you could have a passion for photography or, or videography or whatever the case may be and still have that passion for gaming but be a part of the industry in a different way um and and i think that there's a lot of conversation that can still be shut around that and, and i know it's hard with social media because you know on social media you kind of see the glitz and the glam and and you see i think more of like the influencers and and that whole sort of stuff but um i think it's awesome that that you guys and yourself are, are kind of spreading some light on that yeah i mean it's it's important because what's happening is like i um for the last eight years uh well actually i took a year off so between last year and this summer. And the only reason I'm taking this summer off is because of uh, this, the, the cur current circumstances. I, I basically mm -hmm. volunteer at schools and I teach this class called Intro to Futurism. Um, and, and, you know, I teach, like, uh, you know, uh, at schools that I, I, you know, the type of schools that I went to, uh, Southside, public schools, you know, that are in underserved communities. And, um, you know, one of the trends that I saw uh, over the years is just like, you know, when I was younger, I remember, you know, meeting a young man uh, from these these areas and I'd be like, hey, you know, what do you what do you want to do with your life when you grow up? And they'd be like, I want to be a pro basketball player or a rapper. And I'm just like, you know, I, of course, I'm not going to, you know. Break, burst anybody's bubble and be like, you know, the likelihood of you being able to accomplish such a feat is, is, is the probability of it is low. You can do anything that you want. Nothing is impossible, but right. do you, do you want to expand on this? And they're like, nah, I want to be a pro gamer <laughs> or a rapper. And then, you know, I meet girls who want to be like entertainers and models and, and, and singers and things of that nature. And the reason why is because you can't be what you can't see. And if everybody on TV who looks successful has this very specific job, then that's what you're going to want to do because that person looks like you. So you're just like, oh, that's what I can be. This person that looks like me and that's how they have made money. That's how they have success. That's why they are well liked. That's why they are well respected. Same thing is continuing to happen in video games. So I'll go to schools and I'll talk to the kids and now they're just like, how do I become an esports player? How do I who, how do I become famous in esports? And I'm just like, whoa! And again, the the probability of being able to to monetize an esports or streaming career to the point that the media is showcasing is low. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that it's just, you know, very important for me to illustrate though that there's just so much more to it than just that. And, you, you know, like you just mentioned uh, earlier, there's so many things attached to this space that you can, you know, sort of have plan A, which sure, you know, you want to be a, a pro gamer? go for it. But in the meantime, let's have some secondary and, you know, like a plan B, C, D, and E, which is all, you know, related to the original goal uh, that the the kid has. So, you know, like just being around kids um, has definitely sobered my experience because like now I get to, from their words, they're telling me basically what they're seeing you know, mm-hmm. and how, how they're sort of reacting to the media that we're putting out. Like, you know, the people in, in our age range and er- older, what we're emphasizing, what we're talking about has this trickle-down effect to, you know, like this next generation of people that are going to come into the industry. So, like, what does that mean? And I just feel very responsible as, like, far as, like, how I represent myself in that particular space. Yeah, and I think that's awesome that you get to be in such a unique situation where you get to work with youth a lot, you know, like you're saying, go to these schools and really truly hear from them, you know, kind of like their perspective and what they're thinking and what their thoughts are of the space. Um, I I can imagine that's really cool because not only do you get to impact their lives, but then you also can, you know, in reverse flip that and and go and educate others that are already kind of in the business space and be like, hey, you know, like this is kind of how it looks like through their lens. This is how they're understanding it. You know, here maybe are some problems, here are some positives. Um, So I think that's cool that you kind of get to be in that situation. I mean, it, it is it is really cool. It is hard for me to figure out how to monetize that because, again, right. as I as I as I told you before, I have a very human first approach. So even though I'm like, you know, if you look me up, I seem to be everywhere. Um, my focus is again uh, edu- not educating people like we're going to make an educational game, like none of that, but just like again deconstructing the industry for people who might not be aware of it. And like when we think about education, we think about kids, right? Mm-hmm. But like education is lifelong, so you know you got to think about parents. And um, I was just talking to uh, Stanley, who is uh, the the vice president, uh, the president of the ESA, and the ESA is the company that runs E3, and we had a, a very good conversation about how parents also need to learn about games so they can actively play games with their kids, so they can know what their right. kids are consuming, and it's a very valuable thing but it's not as valuable uh as like can you win this fortnite tournament though (laughs) and it's like that's such a strange you know sort of predicament i put myself in i'm just like hey (laughs) let's 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 humanize the video game industry a little bit and it's like we ain't paying for that what about this call of duty tournament (laughs) like what is what are you doing (laughs) right you know so it's been a sacrifice but it's something that i definitely am very passionate about yeah and i think that's uh, that's actually a really interesting way to put it too is because you know you talk about parents spending time with kids and 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 whether it's playing the game with it or not and kind of understanding. I mean, I, I had actually not even thought of it until now, but if you take a step back, like 
if you think about your kid growing up playing basketball, baseball, football, soccer, whatever the case may be, a lot of the times parents, because they did that, embrace it. And so they'll go kick the soccer ball around with their younger child or they'll go play basketball in the driveway. And there's that relationship and, and you know, you can build on that from that. But it's true that I don't think you see that as much in gaming yet. But like you're saying, hopefully that gets embraced a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, it's so important because, you know, video games have so many more elements um, that are so much so much more immersive and influential. You know, uh, traditional sports like you're using your body. It's very, you know, much. This is what we doing. But, you know, in, in these robust environments in which we place ourselves in, like, you know, uh, Overwatch, where the worlds are vibrant and the characters look like this and so on and so forth, like, your imagination is unlocked. It's a very, very powerful thing that right. uh, video games can do. Um, so parents definitely need to be engaged because, you know, like, you don't want your, your kid, I mean... Grand Theft Auto, for example, uh, you don't want your kid <laughs> just being like, this is like, this is what life going to be like for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, not that that's what's happening, but, you know, just being able to have different conversations as, uh, uh, you know, you, your, your child is navigating through these different sort of digital environments and what those digital environments mean and having and framing conversations around it. Like, Hey, well, if you like this part, maybe you should go into game development. Hey, did you like the story of this game? Well, maybe you should think about narrative design. Uh, did you like how the characters look? Maybe you should think about 3d modeling or, or character, you know, creation. There's just so many things in which we can frame the context in which, you know, we all enjoy uh, video games and it's so much more than just like hand-eye coordination. Uh, you know, there's mathematics involved and physics involved and, and you know, th there's it's such a robust sort of place to be in and, you know, uh, it, it, it takes what we know about traditional sports and then emphasizes how much more, how much further it could go. Um, and if parents just like sort of understood more of these sort of ideas and mechanics around video games, they can inspire kids at an even younger age to pursue careers in this space. Because like we live in an information age, you know, kid can go to yeah. universal university of Google, you know, super young <laughs> and get like all their tutorials on what they need to do. So, right. No, that's that's extremely well put. I, I don't have anything to add to that. That's I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think there's a lot that that we can do, and and it'll be interesting. I think you're you're starting to see some shifts, and hopefully, you know, as as time continues to go on, we'll see them. Um, the last question I have for you before we sh uh, pivot and and talk about live CGI is I saw something on your guys' website that I thought was really awesome and, and unique was when you guys were talking about underrepresentation. It, it's, I don't know exactly. I'm not gonna. I don't know exactly what it said, but you guys were talking about how instead of complaining about it, you guys kind of set out to create the shift in the industry. And uh, I kind of love that mindset and love that you guys are behind that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, that and, and how you guys have gone about doing that during your time with Sugar Gamers? Yes. So what you're talking about is the hashtag that we use called create, not complain. And um, sometimes my team members have to remind me that I created the hashtag. And what <laughs> I, because like sometimes, you know, like navigating this space can be um, emotionally taxing because there are just times in which 
there are certain opportunities that are are a little bit harder for me to to get to because of race and gender and it seems so illogical it it just doesn't make sense to me i'm just like mm-hmm. i know the things i have the experience i you know can speak uh, articulately about a, a number of, of, of very important topics. I've worked in the industry. I, I don't know what else to do. And it just doesn't make sense to me. So like, right. in, instead of being like, Hey, you know, you should, you know, hire more women or you should, you know, uh, have a more diverse team instead of doing that. It's just like, you know what? I'm going to just find the people who are going to help me create this. And like, we know that the problem may exist and yes, it's, you know, sexism and racism, it's getting better, but it's still alive and well, and that is going to be a barrier of entry sometimes. And when that happens, like, who am I to like anticipate that people who sort of perpetuate these ideas are going to be the one that change or shift the culture around them? Like, you know, more than right. likely they're not. So instead of waiting for that to happen by, you know, complaining about, the fact that there are these problems that exist and, and sort of trying to educate people about it. I would like to demonstrate like what can be created by just focusing in on how, uh, on being the example ourselves. So what can a diverse group of people who are all talented and passionate about a space, what can we create? And so then we created a game called Project Violatia, which we is analog right now. Um, basically, it's a board game, but foundationally, it has a lot of the elements that would be needed to tra- you know, uh, translate it to the digital space. So, you know, we did character design, we're doing world building, we're doing narrative design, uh, and we sort of, like, sort of play it out sort of like Dungeons and Dragons. So I said, it's a tabletop RPG, but it's set in the future, and so then, you know, people who play have to, like, come up with their own unique creative ideas on how they would solve problems, uh, but it's more so theater of the mind. It's it's using the, the same mechanics as, like, a, a Dungeons & Dragons game, which can, you know, uh, also, like, sort of you think of um, uh, decision trees and, and RPGs, you know, like a, like a mass effect, right? So basically that's what a tabletop RPG game can be like. It's like you, you're, you're in a place, you're in a bar or, or you know, in mass effect, that's like, like one of my favorite places, <laughs> like to go to the Citadel and then right. go to like the club and like look at the <laughs> alien dancers or whatever. And now it's talk to people or whatever. And they're like, do you watch, you know, do you, do you, you know, buy this person a drink? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And like, what does that mean for your character? Where does that lead? How does that affect the story? Um, you know, what does the decision tree you know do and it makes the game more engaging it makes you feel like you're more part of the character that you're playing with and it's, it's something that I'm very proud of because the whole uh, sort of team of sugar gamers uh, was were able to get involved and see and learn and participate and like create participate in creating something that was really sort of robust and, and interesting and it's something I'm very proud of. And even though it's, you know, like we're not making a gajillion dollars from it right now, mm-hmm. it's something that we can say we've made. Like the sugar gamers make something? Yeah, we did. Um, we didn't complain. We just created something and we are, are very proud of it so now we have that experience and you know one of the things that I um 
I'm super, you know, proud of as it pertains to sugar gamers is that people that have been a part of our community for a significant amount of time can go on to get jobs in in gaming. Um, so, you know, we have people who have like moved and they've gotten, you know, jobs at, at in, in, in gaming in New York and LA and Atlanta because of the experience that they have with sugar gamers. And, you know, like we can't all go to school or know somebody cool that already works in the, you know, a triple A studio or, or something like that. And just like get the job, you know, like what if you decide that you don't know if you want to go into gaming in any capacity until you're like, you're 25 years old or 26 yeah. years old after college, after, you know, the, the sort of average age of a prominent esports player, after you have to like have a job and pay rent and you might not have the, the time or bandwidth to stream six to 12 hours a day to, to get revenue in that way. Like, what about those people who still like kind of wish for a career in games? Like how do they get that experience? How do they get that knowledge? And so then we do skill sharing. We create things we, we create real projects that translate in the real world. Uh, but we're not a school. We're not a like university or anything. And people can learn and get hands-on experience without necessarily having to pay a gajillion dollars to, to, to learn it in a, a structured environment. So that's, you know, what we do. We create stuff and <laughs> we move forward with that experience and that uh, sort of new knowledge that we have and, you know, like understanding how to work within a team and, and understanding, you know, how to contribute and like having a positive sort of experience within a, a diverse environment rather than complaining about the environments that currently exist that aren't inclusive or diverse. Yeah, no, that, that's incredible, and I think you guys have, you know, uh, this, I've recently learned about Sugar Gamers. This is still one of our very first conversations, but from everything I've learned so far and, and talking to you these first couple of times, I think you guys are doing some really cool stuff and and some impactful stuff. So uh, it'll be exciting, you know, as, as we continue to, like I said, grow into friendship and to see what you guys do in the future. I'll definitely be excited to to see, you know, how you guys continue to do that. But um, and hopefully everyone listening has, has enjoyed listening about Sugar Gamers. Definitely go and check check them out online. We'll we'll drop links and all that in the notes for you guys. Um, but okay, cool. Uh, so Keisha, to kind of now pivot to live CGI. Um, definitely want to spend a couple of minutes talking about this. Um, and similar to kind of how we start with Sugar Gamers, if you just kind of want to set the stage a little bit and let us know a little bit about the company, how you got the opportunity, and and what's your role within it. Oh, absolutely. So I um, met this woman who's also in video games. Uh, and right now she's uh, she co-founded her own video game studio uh, with two other uh, women of color. And her name is Latoya Peterson. And she is bad ass. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, she is. She's a brilliant woman. Yeah. She's like filled with like just this kinetic energy like and and she is just amazing and i i feel so so grateful to know her anyway she uh you know uh contacted me um several years ago to do a documentary on basically women in gaming um and it, it aired on i believe fusion um 
And uh, it was a really great experience, and I really enjoyed talking to her, and I really enjoyed being a part of it. And and she went on uh, to uh, work at ESPN, where uh, she met Mark Rowley. And Mark Rowley is the co-founder of Live CGI, and um, she was like, you should meet him. And I was like, all right, because, like, very similar to Marcus, uh, LaToya, if she tells me that I need to meet someone, then I just need to meet them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you know, after a couple of conversations, um, so interestingly enough, I was like lurking around a CES, I think in, I want to say 2017, uh-huh. maybe 2018. I'm not sure. One of those years. And I just happened to bump into him and uh, his wife. And it was, it was, uh, we, we sat down, had a great conversation and talked about like, what, what's next in the world, right? And uh, what was really, really amazing about this this guy and his ideas was that, um, you know, it, it, he wasn't pigeonholed to a structure of how traditional sports worked or how esports worked. Like, what if you could just combine all of it because the technology exists right now? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that conversation began actually uh, with a, a conversation of something called Tachyon League, which you should absolutely look up, which is a new sport that has essentially this CGI overlay. So, you know, because the, the athletes, you know, the technology exists where the athletes can can wear motion capture sensors and you can get all this data on how high they're jumping, how fast they're going, how, you know, whatever it is. And then you can have a CGI overlay uh, that you can use a video game engine to in real time sort of gamify a traditional sports game. And because it's a new sport, the sport could be co-ed. And I was like, you know what? I've drank this Kool-Aid. I am here. A co- <laughs> what? Like, and then, like, when is the last time a new sport has been created? And when right. is the last time a new sport that, you know, doesn't segregate the genders, you know? So I'm like, I could just, you know, and then on top of that, like, you know, if you're talking about traditional sports, you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not a traditional sports uh, person. I am I am not great at like statistics and stuff. But you know, when I do talk to people, they already like have like stats and stuff. It makes the conversation so intimidating. Of like, oh, you know, I just walk past a person that likes football, and I'm like, oh, that player is cool. Well, in 1984, when the uh, Bears won a Super Bowl, I don't know. And, and you're just play, like, what the heck? Right, and uh, like, you know, they got like seven touchdowns and you know three innings and i'm just like what is happening and <laughs> i don't know right like i'm gonna be your first to admit and i am right. so sorry i feel so bad i should have learned some things right now <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes people really just have specific games of years, like 20 years ago, and and I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. But. I'm like, what is going on? And I feel bad. So, like, you know, if you when you talk to these people, they're so excited. They're right. like, and then, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, whatever the person is, and they scored the point, and then they, like, threw the ball a certain way. It was, like, crazy. And I was just like, okay. Um, So I was like, man. Yeah, not only is this new sport could, you know, like have new technology that is, you know, made within video game engines, 
but and, and then has women at the same time but like now like we can all sort of be a part of this new movement together so like right. i can be one of those people you know when i'm an old person like oh man you don't know back in 2021 <laughs> when that first tachyon league game happened and uh you know the woman like just jumped over the dude to get the ball and to and then we like played it back in a video game and it was crazy. That's why my favorite character is this in the video game. You know, Tachyon League, the video game, 10. Because, like, how many Call of Duty's they got? Like, 15? So it'd yeah. be like something like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, That's true. My, um, you know, like, and that just, like, blew, blew my brain. I was just like, what? Like, the expansion of thought. There's someone that sees that we could, like, do something else besides just continue consuming the same kind of media in the same kind of way. So I was like, yep, count me in. And so then um, over time, we shifted from that. And we were just like, you know what? We're going to focus on the technology and then potentially revisit the, the Tachyon League. And right now I'm the commissioner of uh, Tachyon League. So, you know, if anybody got cool. like, oh, yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> um, so if you have like, you know, $2 million, we can get like this party started right now. <laughs> Come on now, let's get it started. Let's kick it off. All I need is a, you know, a couple mil. Like, this is nothing for you. It's nothing for I, you. I don't know if I'm your guy, but. <laughs> Come on now. Like, you're doing the podcast, your podcast royalty now. Come on. <laughs> Write the check. <laughs> be the first investor. <laughs> that would be pretty cool to be the first, though. That would be interesting. <laughs> so we uh, shifted to the idea that we would refine the technology and the, the software for it because like just having a, a creating content with CGI uh, because it's it's so polished and sophisticated right now like the things that the Unreal Engine can do the things that you know uh, these these video game engines can do are just uh, outstanding and you know like you know before back in the day you know we had this thing called uncanny valley but are you familiar with like digital humans and deep fakes and that kind of thing digital like as if you can like create someone and put them in in you know a virtual world or like create an avatar for them or something like that or is that Absolutely. different no. okay no, we're, we're on the same page. Well, digital okay, humans yeah. used to look, you know, kind of wonky or you would know immediately that it was like a, a, a digital sort of um, sort of creation. And now, okay. like, we've pushed past that where, you know, if you're, like, scrolling past, uh, you know, if you're on Instagram or if you're, like, looking at videos or if you've ever seen deep fakes, like, you can you can see a digital creation and not even know that it's not real. Uh, the potential of that is both terrifying and then there's a lot of opportunities in that. So right now uh, we're, we've been creating uh, different products in which we use, you know, um, tools like Unreal to like create digital studios, uh, to create like whole, you know, basically worlds in which we could create content with. So like right now you see everyone, they're at their desk, you know, and, and maybe they, 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 they have a, a, a studio, um, they have a, a, a place where they produce the content. Mm -hmm. And, um, that can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars if 
most likely just millions of dollars to create, you know, these production studios. You have to have right. lighting, camera, you know, uh, spaces to to film, green screens, you know, um, just all of this, you know, amazingly expensive equipment, and then, uh, you know, the the people to operate this equipment, uh, the talent to have to drive there and 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 be there, and makeup artist, and everything has to look good and Mark, uh, who's the co-founder, he has, you know, he used to work at ESPN for 20 years. So like, you know, production studios, he, he absolutely understands, you know, the, the pros and cons of, of having them. They're, they're expensive. You know, you have to have a whole lot of people. Um, it's, it's a, a sort of cumbersome considering that technology exists where, you can just use motion capture or some sensors and use like the graphics that, you know, can be beautifully rendered in video game engines and create these environments in CGI instead of spending all of this money trying to create them like sort of in real life with brick and mortar and like all of this equipment. So, you know, and at first I'm like, oh man, like that's, you know, it's crazy to think, you know, I just want to kind of drive into a place, but like you can literally light a studio that looks state of the art, top of the yeah. line, and you can do it with computer generated images. And it's very exciting and the potential of it is huge and so then it's even more huge right now that we're you know we're having to social distance so we can't we can't right. go into a, a production studio so like just imagine like yours your virtual studio can look just as good as a, as a real life studio and you're just still sitting in your house <laughs> yeah and you could just, you know, either put on like a motion capture suit or have a green screen or even be in your little, you know, like the little Zoom and Skype boxes that we're in and just transport yourself into something that is so aesthetically polished and sleek and like really kind of can set your content um, apart from everyone else. So I was just like, yeah, I'm in. I'm, <laughs> I'm all about that life. <laughs> I want to be a part of it. Right. So uh, we've been working on like various applications of what that can mean and you know like what a, a production studio or a newsroom is just like one idea that we've been you know sort of doing so you might have seen that with uh, the you know NBA 2K league of they yep. used software and it was like super cool um and you know you have that that brand continuity you can put like you know in, in, you know, regular sort of production uh, studios, like there's ways that you can like uh, advertise with your partners and your sponsors and like where you're going to put these signs at and how you're going to have your, your product placement. And now, you know, you could do that in a digital space and it's that technology exists and we can have access to it in a, a big way. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm game. So, <laughs> like, and so like we, we've, we've just been doing that and it's still video games. Like right. it's like, you know, again, imagination unlocked. So it's like all the things that we traditionally accustomed to seeing as it pertains to esports. like, what if, you know, like what, what I want to do with our technology one day is that if we, we can get the licensing for it, my favorite uh, esports genre personally is the fighting game community. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just still such a, a, a under sort of represented <laughs> section of esports. Yeah, but I would, <laughs> I would love to see like Chun Li commentating a tournament, right? Because like. Right. 
you can just have somebody in real time, you know, sort of Chun-Li is the avatar and it's just a person in a motion capture suit. And like, what if the players from the, the game virtually could be the commentators in, in real time? Like that would be so right. slick and, and crazy. And like, there's just so much potential to like how this all could look and how this all could play out. So like, we're thinking of games as like entertainment or as uh, you know, educational tool but it can also be like a media tool and we can start seeing our, our next sort of reporters and journalists and and sort of content being created in this space because like right now okay the world is looking at again everybody in their 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 boxes you know and like maybe we can trick out our backgrounds with those purple lights around our computer and have <laughs> you know all of our toys to like right. exemplify our geek cred but i'm just like if I can have a virtual studio, like I would just pop, I could pop in anything in there. I'm just like, you know what? I, I want a, a, a Megazord in my background. Now right. what? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> so like, you know, I just, you know, give me a Megazord, Godzilla, a ninja warrior and a samurai, like just all in the background. Like now what? You know? So it's, I, I like the idea of, not having so many boundaries of not having the structure. So, you know, what's been really interesting about it is like how, um, how, uh, people resist, you know, mm -hmm. like how people resist innovation. Yeah. And that's insane to me. I'm like, why would you resist innovation? And it's because, Hey, this thing over here was successful. Yes, it's old. Yes, it's outdated, but it was successful. So I'm going to follow the same structure to, 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 you know, make revenue instead of like taking a chance to try something fresh and new, because I know this works. There's data that this works. So a lot of times, you know, like the successes in this space have led to slower innovation, in my opinion. So it's, it's been an interesting journey and an interesting adventure and like really crazy potential to what this technology can do. Um, I think it's also for me very important to do work with uh, live CGI and, you know, be a, a big part of, you know, a, a part of this company, um, because like, um, you know, creating something again, that's back to the create, not complain thing, right. uh, creating something in this space is so much more important to me than just sort of following in a structure where I have to meet certain criteria in order to be successful. It's like, hey, do you stream all the time? Are you a Twitch partner? Are you good at a game? Like, no, nah, but I can, you know, help make, you know, uh, a sort of a, a thing that can visually be engaging and visually be be stimulating. And, and, and there's just so much, you know, again, to it and uh, being a part of something where innovation is there is important to me like I don't you know want to just live life where I um, try to do something that someone else has done like you know some of that is 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 fun but some of that like what's really going to to make you know my day is when I can like introduce the world to some something new a new concept or a new way of navigating tourist success that is still like human focused right Right. No, I mean, I see. So this is funny, actually. So you guys said that you've done this with the 2K League, right? Mm -hmm. So did you guys I was curious because when I when I started looking this up to kind of prep and get an idea for the podcast, 
Did you guys do it for the, or I don't know if you know, if you did it for the three-on-three, the $25,000 tournament that the 2K League had a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Okay. So that was crazy because I saw this and I saw that you guys had worked with the 2K League and kind of what it looked like. And I was watching a couple weeks back when the 2K League was having that three-on-three tournament. And I tuned tuned in at the beginning where it did the intro through the studio, you know, live on stream. And it was, you know, Jeff Eisenband. And I can't remember the name of the other guy that's on there. But yes, yeah. And it looked like it was like almost so similar to I don't know how many people listening have watched, you know, the NBA on TNT and their studio. But it was cool how it like took you from the top of the studio down through the studio and then kind of came up with their faces. And like you're saying, it looks so real and looks so similar to what I had seen, you know, literally on regular traditional sports, you know, NBA on TNT. So I thought it was really cool. So if, if you guys if anyone's listening and you haven't checked it out. Like, definitely recommend checking it out. It's it's definitely some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, what I'm excited for us next is, like, to do something with music artists because, you know, we all have seen the articles, if not, like, been there in Fortnite, the, yeah. the um, you know, Travis Scott concert. And that was, like, you know, freaking dope. Like, that was, that was crazy. so, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, now that we're we're all here and we're all like having a new approach to video games as escapism or even as a a career opportunity that we can do from home. Like imagine like what it means to go to concerts or to experience music with all these like sort of visuals that you can't get in real life, you know? And if you did get them in real life, how much would that freaking cost, (laughs) you know, to have a giant (laughs) Travis Scott with a whole bunch of mini Travis Scott's rocking out, <laughs> you, know, like, right. you know, like it would be impossible to to do that in real life. Um, but like so sim you know, stimulating and so cool in the video game world. So like, yeah, that's the next thing I uh wanna do. Cause like, you know, again, traditional sports is, you know, cool. Uh yeah. but like that's not where my truest, truest passion comes from. Like I, I mean you know, right. sports people a lot. And I'd be like, who? You want to play this video game? <laughs> you want to play some Because I don't... Do you know how to play that, though? <laughs> like right, that. <laughs> right. No, well, imagine... I was, th- you know, watching the Travis Scott concert. I was like, I don't, I don't know how far we are from this, but I was like, imagine if you could have put on a VR headset and been inside of that, and, like, when you went above ground to in the water to him moving... I mean, and, and it being like perfected, you know, and again, I don't know how long that would take, but just imagine, I feel like that would be absolutely insane if, if, if that was a possibility to like have been inside of the event, you know, through a VR headset, but. Juan, 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 Juan Rodriguez. I used to work in VR, or I mean, I kind of still do a little bit because uh, one of the cool parts about what live CGI does is that the the technology that we've created can be viewed and and uh, and on a multitude of platforms. So like, yeah, you know, we're viewing it on flat screen, but it can also be, you know, because it's a video game engine and because we're using, you know, we're we're creating in 3D, it can easily be ported to VR and AR and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. So. So, um, and, but before this, I used to work at HTC, so I got to like experience a lot of what the, the VR hardware has the capabilities of doing. And um, 
with that being said, like I, I have went to concerts in VR. Uh, one of my favorite artists, his name is Android Jones. Uh, okay. Check him out. Very, very interesting individual. Uh, interesting story, but he has created um, the VR, uh, these, these worlds, and he set them to music. And it's almost a spiritual journey, and it's it's something I've, I've never seen before. Um, as a matter of fact, let me give you the name of it because I'm just, you know, sort of. But, yeah, his name is, um, yeah. let's see, Android. You know, the, the cool part about working from home is that we can now just look at the uh, the the thing. Um, let's see what it, his thing is called. I can't. I can't find it, but he's like a huge, like sort of burning man type of, of individual. And what you just said, it exists. And okay. the, you know, the crazy part is that technology has existed for a while, but a lot of times, again, if it weren't for the, this pandemic or it weren't for like a new generation of individuals consuming content through video games and these, these digital you know, uh, manners through your phone, through your TV, through VR, you know, uh, it's so much easier for people to understand like, Hey, I can make X amount of money by having a real concert and people have to come to a location and they have to buy tickets. So even though the, the idea of us like, you know, sort of engaging in these sorts of musical experiences has been around for like quite a while, like, now we're almost forced to reconsider how we consume certain media because we can't just go into a mosh pit now for the next, you know, <laughs> year or two. You know? Right. So, um, you know, I think that that was a, a really good example of uh, of what exists, and you know, it's it's that technology has already existed, and there's there's plenty of things that I can uh, point you to that um you know uh, uh demonstrates this so yeah. um i would say maybe uh i think i think it's called samskara is her, the name of this uh sort of immersive vr experience that this uh, gentleman has created but that's just an example that has existed for about at least four years already before this concert in Fortnite. um but yeah jeff do you have a vr headset I don't, you know, I've never, I've never put one on. And the funny thing is like, I get, I'm trying to think, is it Epcot that has like mission space? Yeah. I think, I think it's Epcot. I get like really sick with, um, like simulators and it, and it makes me mad because I think they're super cool, but then I get like really sick. So I've actually, truthfully, I've never had the opportunity to put a VR headset on, but I have a feeling if I did, I'm going to be that person that gets sick, which kind of sucks, but I don't know. I got to give it a shot, I guess, to see how my body reacts to it. <laughs> I used to be that person as well. Um, so when VR, you know, like I, tr I and I had forced myself, like I was one of those people who might have went blind trying to play Virtual Boy when Virtual yeah. Boy came out. And uh, now, like, you know, every year I've tried to like in, in the last like five or six years, I've tried VR and I can say that it keeps getting better and more more seamless and just more, you know, uh, 
the 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 sickness isn't there as much because they're improving the the graphics they're improving yeah. lag they're they're improving all the the latency all these things that make a difference in your ability to immerse yourself in this VR experience so i would definitely say try it and 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 you know try a a more sort of robust software like uh you know um like i used to work for htc vive so mm -hmm. they have really good software i know valve ha i mean not software but hardware um there's really the headsets have been improving and becoming more accessible so definitely give it a try and when you yeah. do you know email me so i can give you a <laughs> list of things to, to to look at because video games <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'll have to I'll have to give it a shot. I need to either get one myself or I need to reach out. I feel like one friend has to have a headset. So I got to figure out who's got one or, or give it a shot myself because I feel like it'd be pretty interesting to try out. Um, but well, kind of just wrapping things up. I mean, this was awesome. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we hit on so many important things and, and you did an incredible job kind of not only going through your career, but I think highlighting so many things within gaming or within esports um, that are important. Is there any always at the end, you know, is there anything that you maybe wanted to retouch on or anything that we didn't talk about really quickly that you want to hit on before we, we wrap things up? You know, not not yet. I mean, I just hope okay. that people, you know, check out what we're doing, um, you know, from a community standpoint, from a technology standpoint. Like, I'm really proud of the things that we've done uh, with Sugar Gamers. I'm really proud of the things that I'm doing with the live CGI team. Um, and I, I think it's innovative. I think it's fresh. And, yeah. you know, hopefully the impact that I think we can make will will happen very, very soon. Definitely, definitely. Well, where can we'll we'll tag you in those, but where can everybody find you on social media? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, if you just I, I am Sugar Gamer. Um, so like just without the S, if you're just looking for me by myself, I'm on uh, you know, um most of the social media, Facebook, uh, TikTok, um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, yeah you know, LinkedIn, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very easy to find. Uh, so Sugar Gamer, Sugar Gamers, Keisha Howard, uh, both of them pretty much come up with a, a Google search. Not too many Keisha Howards that do video game stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for, for coming on and, and to everybody listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If it was one of your first episodes, hope you guys will be back for more. And for everybody that is continuing to either tune in or just interact with the social media posts um, on, on Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever it might be, I appreciate everyone who's showing some support and interacting with us. Um, and so with all that being said, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Lodges podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five star rating. If you've enjoyed this, you can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial on Twitter at Lodges on eFuse at Lodges and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks. And you were just listening to the Lodges podcast.